hold it up a little bit against that wind, take it right at it. He went right at it, if anything, with a little draw. And another boot beauty. How about Adam Svensson? Could put this thing to bed if he makes that putt. He certainly can. These downhillers tend to be a little bit straighter than you think. And oh. it stays up just enough to catch the bottom edge and go in. What a putt. That never looked like going into me, Kurt. It was low the whole way. And not quite enough speed, and it hangs in there and goes down. In his 70th career start, Adam Spencer is now a PGA Tour winner for the very first time. And just like that, FHP has finally... Broken the ice in this fall swing, 145 to one. Adam Svensson brings it home. Uh, Ian, this has got to be this has got to be a lot off the back for the to get off the, to get off the get off the butts here. Dude, that yeah, that one meant a lot. That one meant a lot for a lot of different reasons. I mean, if you guys have been paying attention to kind of the podcast over the last I don't know couple months, it's I felt like I've been coming in here like a you know, like a football coach after like a bad loss or, a, you know, every single week trying to trying to save his job, you know, just trying to stick to the process and reassure, uh, reassure the fan base out there. But uh, that's the beauty of golf betting, man. I mean, we, we I made some pretty, uh, you know, poor decisions on the betting board, even though I felt like I kind of had a, the right lean in terms of uh, skill set and course breakdown. Made a lot of bad decisions over the last couple of months. Um, but, you know. One one uh, one good decision and, and we're kind of right back here, uh, right back on track after the fall swing up uh, up just under 95 units for um, for the 22 for the 2022 2023 season. Uh, so we've got uh, all of a sudden better money to play with here, heading to a, a nice little fun event in the Bahamas. So full credit to Spencer, man. I don't know how much you guys were able to watch. I know fall swing events in the in the middle of the NFL season um, are tough to tune into, but. I mean, Spenson was he was so clutch down the stretch and um yeah, you know, for a guy that's as unproven as he kinda is in contention, we haven't really we've seen obviously a lot of good from Spenson, but we really haven't seen him on the back nine on a Sunday really like in the mix on a PGA tour event and um, you know, he overcame a lot. You know, he had some pretty um really good birdie looks, I would say, to to kind of create a bit of separation with guys like Harmon, Taron, Tigala all charging at his lead. Um, had about a 12-foot putt on the 14th hole that he uh, he left a little bit short. He stepped to the par 5, 15th, which is the easiest hole in the golf course. Made a pretty pedestrian par on that hole. And, um, you know, we I've watched enough golf to to know that when, when players of this caliber, um, you know, face disappointments like that, they – Odds tend to pan out that, uh, you know, that disappointment's going to be followed by a little bit more disappointment. They start to get down on themselves and um, maybe try to press a little bit too much, and that's when the mistakes come. But to Spencer's credit, I mean, after the bad par he made on 15, he really did not make a single bad swing. I mean, right in the fairway on 16, hits a wedge below the hole, drains it right in the middle, um, goes flag hunting on 17, which is a tough uphill exposed uh, par three, about 175, and just sticks it right out of the flag stick. That's the clip y'all heard um, there with the intro. 
cans the putt on the low side and then gets to walk to 18 with a, with a two shot lead. And it's pretty much stress free once he hits the fairway there. So he, he composed himself. He, uh, he, he played out there like he was a 15 year veteran. So for a kid that uh, me and a lot of golf Twitter have had high hopes for, for a long time, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like Spencer's one of those guys that was, was due for us. Cause you know, he's one of the guys that always kind of pops in your model and, um, we kind of always kind of throw that dart on him. It feels like in that 100 or 100, you know, 80 to one, whatever range. Um, so to finally have him hit, especially the number we got him at 145 to one in a field like this, um, yeah, that's that feels good. And that's what two years in a row where we've hit a 145 or like winner in the fall swing. So we we kind of said it earlier in the year, like this is the time of year where you can hit these, and it finally paid off for us. So that's always it's always nice when you know you preach something and then it actually finally plays out that way. Uh, for sure. That's well said. I mean, you're giving me a lot of credit for, for maybe um, for my prudence there, betting Spencer only 80 to one. I mean, if you look through some of my past bet slips, we've, we bet him at 40, 50 to one on in, in better fields than that last week. You know, I was like I said, I'm not the only one. If you run statistical models like you've seen Spencer at the top, of a lot of those things, he's one of the more, I think, underrated ball strikers on the PGA Tour. And um, yeah, that's something that I maybe didn't um, emphasize enough in my kind of breakdown last week was just how much value I thought was in a player of his caliber at 145 to one um, in a field devoid of, you know, top tier talent. So uh, yeah, he picked a really good one to, to come home in and couldn't be happy for him. If you, if you guys have seen the interview that he did uh, post round, it was, uh, it was pretty moving. You know, you, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, they are some classic to your traditional or to your casual golf fan or to someone that um, is just a, you know, just flipping the channels on a Sunday afternoon. Doesn't, seem like a marquee event doesn't seem like it means a lot but for these guys grinding on the pga tour and on the lower tier tours like this is a life-changing moment for him and um you know it's a lot of hard work and you know i, I you grow attachments to a lot of these guys that you kind of go through the ringer with so to see him uh kind of wear his motions on the sleeve a little bit in the post-round interview and kind of give an insight into uh you know some of the dark times on 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 tour uh what was really moving as well so yeah, I mean, I could gush over Adam Spenson all day long, but we've got a we've got a pretty star of field uh, to get to here. It's been a while since we've been able to say that, so I'll, I'll kind of let Chris intro uh, what we got going for us this week. Well, even though you just had a great transition there, did you want to talk about? So there was a, two other guys in the mix at RSM. We did have Seamus Power and Will Gordon there for a little bit. Um, any comments on them, or would you rather just move on to the to the hero? I mean. I would say Will Gordon was maybe a bit optimistic in terms of in the mix. He had a couple good rounds in there, but uh, I, I think he made a pretty bad couple of bogeys on the front nine on Sunday. And that was the end of his his day. Uh, the Seamus Power thing is like real, though. I mean, you get this guy on a golf course like under 7,200 yards and he just picks it apart, man. So, um, look, I mean, it, it's going to be hard to say what the fields are going to look like next year at, at places like Pebble Beach and uh, you know, Harbor Town and some of these golf courses that we always correlate with the RSAMs and the Mycobas of the world. But man, it, it it's real. You know, I gave the stat last uh, last week or two weeks ago about I think over his last nine starts at these comp course events, um, he's finished no worse or no worse than T12. And you can just add one more to that mix. I think he finished T5 or T6 at the RSM Classic. So, um, you know, Seamus is a guy that certainly has his fair share of holes in this game, but you know, very kind of similar to like a Tom Kim. I think if you get him on these positional kind of wedge courses, it's really hard to find anyone, uh, particularly in his price range, that's going to carry um, that kind of skill set and be that consistent 
on a track like that. So that's what I like to see. I like to see guys that are predictive and guys that are fairly, um, I guess, easy to to kind of predict where they're going to play well at. You know, like guys that kind of embrace the fact that, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of courses that they actually have a legitimate chance of winning at. And uh, power seems to be one of those guys that um, is going to be able to take advantage of some of these um, shorter courses and some of the opportunities that he does, he does have in front of him. So uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about Seamus. Um, Tom Hoagie, again, disappointing me for like the millionth time. I, 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 I honestly, I feel like I really just can't get this guy right. <laughs> I, as big of a Tom Hoagie fan as I am. And, I can't remember the last time I bet him and he actually like produced to his, his baseline. So I think just for the sake of like Tom Hoagie nation, I might have to take the next couple stops off because it's been, it's been kind of brutal at uh, my Coba and uh, then their RSM, uh, particularly when I was kind of right there between, you know, I, I mentioned three guys at the top last week, uh, power Hoagie and Harmon were the three guys that I really thought were my favorites at the top of the board. And uh, yeah, Brian Harmon would have pulled that out uh, particularly uh, outrunning under the bat of ours and uh, and Adam Spence, and that would have hurt uh, quite a bit, to be honest with you. But yeah, happy to get the win, and uh, yeah, ready to move on. It's uh, it's been a long time coming, so it's good to good, good to hear the intro, man, because uh, it was kind of a head fuck there for a few weeks for sure. I'm sure uh, I'm sure Chris got a got a front receipt to a lot of my inner monologues um, when when the struggles were kind of hitting us, but back on top. Right. Well, like you said, we are uh, off this week with a uh pretty nice event here to kind of close out this fall swing here before we have a little bit of a break before we actually do come back in actual 2023 um so yeah it's the hero world challenge it is the tournament hosted by tiger woods we will be um out in um the bahamas um and then i think correct me if i'm wrong we're gonna have the top 20 uh ranked uh, players here and i think maybe some special invites from tiger as well um yeah but yeah, this is a, a big event. We're going to have some high, high-end talent and a lot of money on the line for any one and downers out there. Yeah, a lot of, lot of high-end talent. And uh, yeah, like Chris said, 20-man field this week. So um, that's maybe, um, it, it's one of the few weeks, I think, where we're going to be able to kind of break down pretty in detail, mm-hmm. excuse me, every every golfer on the field. So I'm going to try to keep it pretty concise uh, with the golf course this week. I think it's pretty straightforward. Um, and we can kind of get into... Uh, the main event, which is obviously the names that uh, will be competing for the Hero World Challenge. So we are at Albany Golf Club. Uh, it's uh, on New Providence Island in the Bahamas, uh, basically just an all-inclusive resort that was built in 2010. Um, you know, golf, uh, very exclusive resort, golf, uh, hotel, spa, everything you'd want. Uh, it's kind of the perfect uh, attraction for you know, PGA Tour pros to kind of come down here and Obviously, with, with Tiger's presence in this in this tournament, I think that's a big reason why a lot of these top names have decided to come. Um, I think, you know, outside of Rory, Cantley, Zaris, and then obviously, uh, oh, goodness, who withdrew? Uh, Hideki. Hideki withdrew. But outside of those three, uh, I think we have everyone in the top 15 uh, in the world this this year. Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure it's everyone else in the top 15 is here. Um, but we are looking at a 7,400 yard par 72. It's an Ernie Els design, which, uh, to my knowledge, he doesn't design any other golf courses on the PGA tour. Like I said, uh, made in 2010, it's hosted the hero World challenge since 2015. Uh, so this will be the seventh iteration, uh, played here at Albany. Uh, so 
par adjusted Nassau, or I'm sorry, Albany doesn't exactly, it's not exactly the most, uh, it's not exactly the longest golf course, but most of that is due to the five par threes that are on this golf course. This uh, par 72 features five par threes, five par fives and eight par fours, kind of a different setup to the usual kind of four, four, 10 we usually see on a par 72. Uh, there's also two short par fours, hole seven and 14 that measure 298 and 350 respectively. Uh, so that kind of contributes to a little bit of the lack of length for a par 72 around this place. Uh, but apart from those holes, Albany has just two par fours that play under 470 yards. Uh, so very much like Narasino uh, that we saw um, the Zozo played at just a couple months ago. There's a pretty stark contrast here between uh, very defined gettable birdie opportunities and very, very daunting, difficult golf holes that will require uh, two to three good shots just to make par. Um, now, moving on to kind of driving and the driving profile I'm looking for. Uh, the historical driving accuracy around here, Albany, sits well above tour average, uh, 70% versus 62% for reference. Um, and these percentages are not driven up uh, by guys clubbing down off the tee. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, two drivable par fours, five reachable par fives, and four par fours over 470. You're pretty much hit, forced to hit driver off of you know most tee boxes around here. And being that the fairways are so wide... Um, Albany is a lot more forgiving to narrow misses off the tee than it is to the wider misses. We saw it a lot with like guys like Bryson and Brooks last year that tried to kind of bomb a gal just place. Uh, you can get yourself into quite a bit of trouble if you do miss wildly, but like I said, the fairways are wide enough to maybe accommodate um, the lesser misses. Guys that maybe don't hit a lot of fairways, but they rate out well and like good drives gained and uh, penalty strokes avoided. Um, those type of guys I think will fare quite well here. Um, again, there's a ton of kind of natural sandy waste here that you see a lot um, at these coastal courses, dense vegetation. If you get too far offline, it's not really dissimilar driving wise to a desert golf course like TBC Summerlin that we saw earlier this fall. Um, obviously, it's a lot longer than TBC Summerlin in terms of like hole by hole composition. But in terms of fairways are pretty forgiving. But if you do start missing wildly, um, it's kind of the wild, wild west uh, of what you're going to find um, off these off these uh, grounds. So. That being said, there hasn't really been one specific driving profile that stands out above the rest on past leaderboards. We've seen bombers like Finau, Burns, JT um, all have top fives here, multiple top fives within the last three years. Uh, we've seen accuracy mavens like Stenson and Morikawa contend. And then obviously you've had elite total drivers recently like Rom, Hovland, Scheffler all finish. Uh, you know, Rom won here in 2018, uh, Hovland won here last year, and then Scheffler came solo second to Hovland last year. Um, in my estimation, I would give the slight edge to longer hitters just based on the forgiveness of some of these fairways. Uh, but there's no reason that shorter guys can't have success here, uh, provided they are well proven in my next key aspect, which is middle long iron play. Uh, again, we touched on a lot of this in the initial core specs, but between the five par threes that all measure over 180 yards, five very reachable par fives, all the par fives here have yield rates over 2%. Um, and then again, the four long par fours. I think it's very possible to have an approach over 175 yards on 14 of the 18 holes around here. And when you look at kind of the list of past champions, it's pretty easy to find a common thread. Hovland, Stenson, Rom, Fowler, Matsuyama, the last five champions, all fantastic long iron players. So that's going to be a very, very key metric for me uh, this week. Uh, in terms of around the green play, um, personally, you know, we're used to kind of the swing season birdie fest. You don't really rate scrambling all that much. Um, you know, on these holes that you're expected to kind of have 15, 20 feet for birdie on every other hole. Um, now, I would I would kind of rate Albany a little bit higher 
um, on the scale than, say, a place like RSM or Mayakoba. Um, mainly because, again, you have the five par fives. You're not going to be expected um, to hit the green uh, every single time. Like, in under regulation, it's going to be a lot of kind of up and downs for birdie on a lot of these kind of 570, 580 yard par fives. Again, you have drivable par fours that you're going to be getting up and down, um, trying to get up and down for birdie, trying to chip in for eagle. And then you have four very difficult golf holes uh, with long par fours. And then you have your fair share of kind of 200 yard par threes that guys are going to be missing plenty of greens on. So again, the, the, the scoring would be more indicative of a place where you're going to have a lot of 15 footers for birdie. I don't particularly think that's the case. I think you're going to be, um, Again, it's not really a regulation golf course in the sense that you can kind of get away with just B-plus ball striking or B-ball striking and hit a lot of greens and have a lot of 15-footers for birdie. I think you're going to kind of have to be aggressive around this place, and that's going to lead uh, to a lot of missed greens and a lot of key up and downs, whether it's for birdie or for par. Um, and in terms of putting, putting again, I think it's probably the least important for me in terms of weighting uh, in my model. And uh, that's mainly because I don't really see that many corollary, um, again, corollary courses in terms of these putting complexes. Um, I guess you can kind of point to um, like a Honda Classic or like a Bay Hill at the top of my head is kind of slick, coastal, uh, propensity for a little bit of wind, faster Bermuda grass greens, but they're not champion, <clears throat> excuse me. They're not champion Bermuda. I don't. I think they're Tiff Eagle Bermuda, which is a little bit less lesser used surface uh, on the PGA Tour. And especially when I kind of get into my next point, um, which is the wind. I think putting uh, might be a little bit tougher to predict and a little bit less uh, emphasized when we're dealing with the kind of winds that we are projected to to have this week. So that kind of brings me into my next point, which is if you have it, uh, place any bets this week. Um, I would actually maybe wait as long as possible. Uh, as of right now, which is Tuesday night, which is when we record these things, uh, we are seeing some really, really alarming, uh, wind forecasts for this place for reference. Now it's a 20 man field. So these guys will only be on the golf course for a cumulative total of like six hours. Uh, so you don't really have to worry about wave advantages all that much, but it looks like from, Thursday afternoon on, we're going to see sustained winds in the low to mid 20s uh, for the better part of the weekend. So, again, wind forecasts on Tuesday evening for the weekend are always a little bit dicey. Um, but if that does come to fruition, it throws a little bit of a wrench into a lot of kind of the profile that I've broken down uh, because, you know, you're just going to be. Uh, you're going to be open to a lot more variance whenever, you know, gusts or uh, winds are gusting in the 25 to 30 mile an hour range. So, um, yeah, I would, if you are going to place a bet right now, obviously we'll talk about the field and we'll talk about some of the guys that I think are, uh, whose stocks improve and whose stocks falter, uh, with this kind of new information. But, uh, yeah, certainly something to monitor as the week goes along, uh, because it's been a while since we've really seen, uh, wind forecasts that look like this. So, yeah, again, there's not really that much I can do right now. I've already personally placed bets uh, that I'm comfortable with, so we'll kind of just have to eat that one. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention 
um, a few of the concerns that I did have. So let's move on to kind of the model because wind stats in general, like I think if you're making a lot of decisions based on like strokes gained, you know, windy scoring conditions, uh, it's it's kind of a fool's errand at times. Like we just don't see that many tournaments that are that affected by the wind. And then, you know, it, it's even rare to see a large portion of this kind of elite field at the same golf course at the same time in the same conditions. So um, you can anecdotally kind of piece together guys that you think can play well in the wind. But in terms of my kind of model and my process, um, I'm going to kind of just um, not ignore it, but, you know, it, it put it on the back burner a little bit when it comes down to actually trying to analyze the course fit for a lot of these guys. So, like I said, uh, in terms of driving, I've got distance weighted a little bit over accuracy, uh, but mainly I'm going to be looking at total driving strokes getting off the tee. Uh, the approach play, again, is going to be primarily weighted from 175 to two, or 175 and above, so 175 to 200 and 200 plus if you're using Fantasy National. Uh, strokes gain approach, birdie chances created, birdies are better gained. Uh, strokes gain par fives, again, this is off the top of my head one of the only courses we go to all year that has five par fives, and like I said, all of them are pretty reachable. Uh, the the Eagle rates range from 1.8 to like 5.3%, which are um, all pretty substantial um, for the PGA Tour. So, and uh, finally, I do have a little bit of around the greens, a little bit of sand saves, and a little bit uh, of putting just as a bit of a reference. So, but primarily, I think this is a ball strikers course, um, driving long iron play, kind of make your putts, take advantage of birdie opportunities, and uh, and go deep. You know, I, it, maybe the wind kicks up and and a day or two gets super, super difficult. But at the end of the day, I think you still have to really kind of make your chances count around this place. There's a lot of coals that um, you're going to be making birdie on. And if the wind does lay down at any point, um, any of these guys are liable to, to shoot in the low 60s around this place. Uh, it's certainly possible. So uh, with that being said, I will kind of go into uh, the top. I guess we'll go top 10 uh, in the model here. Uh, over the last nine months or 50 rounds, whichever comes first for these guys. Number one, no surprise, Tony Finau leads the model for me. Uh, Shane Lowry is number two. Scotty Scheffler, number three. Xander Shoffley, four. Justin Thomas, five. Tom Kim, number six. Colin Morikawa, seven. Max Homa, eight. Cameron Young, nine. And Sung J.M. is number 10 uh, for me. And, uh, yeah, so that's just purely numbers. That's uh, kind of what I'm going on. I've got a few kind of, again, anecdotally – uh, anecdotal, subjective kind of breakdowns for some guys uh, on this board as well. So it should be a fun betting board to break down with some of those names. Well, speak of that betting board, we will head there now. So uh, we got three guys at the top here that I think are worthy of starting of starting at. We got John Rom at five to one, Sky Scheffler at seven and a half to one, and at Tony Fino at nine to one. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I did not hear John Rom in that top ten that you just read, but. Coming into this, man, he's gone T5, T8, T15, I think T3, and then he uh, win in the Spanish Tour. So like he's in form. So you're, uh, but you're 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 fading him here at the top. Well, yeah, I, I would be. I would not use the word fading personally. I don't. I'm not betting outright on him. Uh, but I'm certainly right. not uh, sitting here saying you know pick on John Rahm matchups or fade him altogether and finishing position bets. Nothing like that. Uh, as Chris pointed out his form has been phenomenal not only does he have the win that chris mentioned at the hispania the open to hispania he actually won the year-end championship for the dp world tour uh beating out a pretty elite field there guys like rory hovland fitzpatrick hatton lowry were all there 
uh, and Rom took down that field as well. So he's actually won his last two European tour events, uh, finished T4 at the CJ Cup, T2 at the BMW uh, Championship at Wentworth, and then, like Chris said, 15th, 8th, 5th. So it's been, what's July? That's the seventh month of the year, so uh, four and a half months. Three and a half, yeah, four and a half months since John Ross finished outside the top 15 in any uh, tournament, which is pretty fucking impressive. Um, look, on paper, I understand why he's the favorite. He's won here in 2018. He came uh, second to Henry Stenson in 2019. Skipped last year. I don't particularly know why he skipped last year, but um, you know he's back to you know to finish what he started and you know continue this incredible track record he has. Uh, at this golf course, obviously phenomenal driver of the ball, phenomenal long iron player. This course sets up very, very well for Rom. Um, and as of recently, man, the putter has been on fire, particularly in Europe, uh, where he's came first, first, second in his last three starts. Um, he's gained. I'm, I'm trying to uh, on the European Tour site, they have you multiply by four because they calculate per round. Uh, but if my math is correct, that's six point eight, six point one. And 6.3 strokes gained putting in his last three events. Uh, he gained eight strokes putting at the Tour Championship at Eastlake, and he gained another four. You know, he gained another five at the BMW Championship. So the putter concerns that we had earlier in the year on Rom that was that were really costing them top events and uh, costing them chances at contention when his ball striking was so strong. Uh, that has turned around, and that has turned around in a big, big way. Um, look, if Rom wants to come out here and gain six strokes putting again, he's probably going to win this golf tournament. Um, I'm not willing to lay the five to one, but I, I do understand if, uh, if you do want to go single bullet, Rom is certainly a compelling option. Um, I think a little bit more compelling than Scheffler to me, even though Scheffler rates out a bit better. Keep in mind, my model is PJ tour only. I don't, I do not have access to the stats, um, for the European tour. So that's kind of on a case by case basis. I'll kind of cite those. Uh, if guys do have exposure in Europe, trust me, I, um, I do know which guys have kind of, you know, have kind of made the journey um, kind of across the pond as the, as the swing season has went on. But Scheffler's not one of those guys. He's not played in Europe. So um, all of his stats, um, his recent stats are, are from the PGA tour, which Scheffler, there's just a little bit more um, of a question mark for me, obviously with a putter that's been much maligned for him. Um, his long iron play um, kind of surprisingly has been pretty pedestrian. He rates out 14th in this field in proximity over 175 yards. Um, and again, at plus 750 with the just sheer amount of top tier talent we have in this board, I just don't think the separation is that vast between Scheffler and a lot of these guys that I'm um, going to be talking about here pretty soon. Uh, so actually I would take, I would take, I, I think Rom's a more compelling outright bet to me than, than Scotty this week personally. Um, but again, I, I it's very hard to make a case against seeing these guys, but uh, just based on leans, Scheffler would probably be my least favorite uh, of the top. And then obviously Finau, <laughs> I mean, come on. I, he, he was opened that he actually opened it. I think 11 to one in some shops. He's kind of been since uh, hammered down into the kind of nine to 10 to one range. I think it's going to be pretty tough to even find a 10 at this point. I think he's pretty much in the single digits pinned across the board. Um, but when you talk about, you know, driving long iron play, uh, a little bit of short game mix, mixed in there as well. Um, you know, he just wanted a golf course that I wouldn't consider a corollary, but there is a bit of crossover in terms of the skill set, I think, required at Houston and, and here at Albany. So he's just in phenomenal form. Uh, so I do not blame anybody 
uh, for going to Finau. He's, I mean, he's second in this field over the last 50 rounds in putting. He's third around the greens. He's first in ball striking. I mean, <laughs> that's just a, a combination that is going to win anywhere. And if he brings the same kind of game um, that we saw a couple weeks ago and we've seen for the last six months or so, then I'd be very surprised not to see him at the top of the leaderboard. Um, notably, I think he was, um, I think he entered the final round last year at, at I think T3 or T4. He, he ended up finishing T7. Um, he was actually tied with Hovland through 54 holes last year. Hovland was the winner last year. And, um, you know, he obviously didn't put the, the Sunday together that Victor did, but was certainly in the mix. So he's kind of shown, um, you know, proclivity to compete around here. He came uh, solo second here in 2018 as well. So I like Finau a lot. I think Finau probably would be my bet if I um, – if I were to kind of go to the top of the board, but you know me, I, I kind of, I'm a sucker for my guys at, at kind of 20 to one and, and, and beyond. So um, we're kind of going a little bit of quality over quantity. Although I don't think you can knock any of the quality, any quality um, of anyone in this field. So yeah, for me, if I had to power rate these guys just based on value and my projections, uh, Finau, Rom, Scheffler would be the order I would, I would choose. I was trying to pull it up, but I think my computer is failing me, but uh, who won my Koba this year? Ross Henley. Never mind. Never mind. I was going to make a case here for, because didn't Hovland win the Mayakoba and then he won the hero? So I was going to say, does Pina have the same profile going here? But never mind. I can't make that case. <laughs> we bet uh, Pina. <laughs> yeah. Missed the cut. Che- oh, checks out. Or, All right, or, so, or played in six months and we bet him that week. That's just. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So next three on the board, we've got uh, Xander ten to one, Justin Thomas eleven to one, and Matty Fitzpatrick at twelve to one. Haven't really seen either of these three guys really that much in the fall swing. I think one apiece for each of them. Um, I don't know if Fitzpatrick's been playing in DP World Tour. I probably assume he has been. Um, but yeah, we haven't really seen much from these three, so I can assume that's probably why their odds are a little deflated here. Right. Uh, yeah, Xander we've seen at the Zozo. He finished T ten there. Uh, JT where. We- Excuse me, we actually bet at the CJ Cup. Didn't have a great week. If it's Patrick, I don't believe we've seen CJ Cup. Oh, yeah, we did see the CJ Cup. You're right. You're right. Because I remember everyone on golf Twitter um, bet him. And then and then we had a thread of him. Like, he went, like, I don't know, 20-something holes without hitting an approach shot inside 20 feet. Um, but that's just kind of the Fitzpatrick way. He's going to make a lot of pars and uh, a lot of two putts at that. So... Let's start with Xander. I think Xander's definitely, for me, the most compelling of these three. Um, we, If you want to talk about, especially in the win factor, you want to talk about a long, kind of difficult, firm golf course in the wind. Uh, Xander did win in the summertime at the Genesis Scottish Open at Renaissance Club. That was one of the more wind-affected events we had all, all uh, year long. And if I remember correctly, he was actually in the bad wave. Uh, that was the week that Cameron Jigali went, like, nuclear in, in round one and then um subsequently of course imploded um over the next couple of days and xander was able to scoop that one up uh but yeah xander for me I mean, he just rates out so uh, he rates out well every week just because there's just not really clear weaknesses game he's the best um he's the best player in this field from 200 plus yards he's number one in birdie chances created uh number two in good drives gained uh number three in sand saves number three in birdies are better so yeah, Shoffley, he's he's the real deal. I expect really big things from Xander. I I, I kind of selfishly just want him to win when he's at twenty to one because I'll be more I'll be much more likely to kind of um, take a stand on him there. He doesn't really have 
phenomenal course history here, which is a little bit weird. I don't, I don't put much stock into that. Um, but when I'm choosing my spots to kind of bet Xander and be exposed to Xander, uh, this isn't one that really jumps off the page for me. So I'm going to have to kind of do without and, you know, I'll obviously be keeping a pretty close eye on him as uh, 2023 rolls around. And I think he's in for a really, really big year. Um, I think he's, as of right now, I'm seeing a 22 to one to win the masters. Um, that's a very compelling number uh, to me. I, it's not, I don't particularly like betting 22 to ones uh, six months out, but uh, I've mentioned kind of the masters future board a couple of times um, in recent shows and, you know, we'll be doing an off season podcast for golf. So I'm sure that'll come up at some point. Um, but yeah, I, Xander's, if I had to pick a guy for 2023, I'm really, really high on. Um, I think we're betting him a lot um, that year. JT 11 to one uh, for me, I, I would take Xander every single time over JT. I know JT has two T fives in his last two starts here, um, but we just haven't seen him. Um, although recently, I mean, we saw him once at the CJ cup did not perform all that well. Um, just hasn't really been vintage JT ball striking. And then you pair that with the fact that he's taken a one month layoff. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he recently got married. I know him, him and Spieth were, uh, it was a lot of, it was a big time wedding season. I've, I've listened to every with Spieth and he said that him and JT were kind of hopping from wedding to wedding this, uh, this fall seemed like. So it's, it's pure conjecture and sure, like JT's more than competent enough and more than talented enough to take down a field like this and to win this event. Um, I just don't see really any value in the, in the 11 to one number. And if it's Patrick for me is maybe one of the more intriguing cases on the board. He's 12 to one. Uh, which feels a little bit inflated uh, to me for Maddie. Now, I will say with the wind forecasts, that does help his case. Um, you know, Maddie's obviously an Englishman, um, notable, notable, very, very, notably a very, very good links player. Um, obviously, very exposed to the wind growing up um, in England. So, I'm, I'm sure that's a, that's a point in his favor. But when you come down to like his actual skill sets. Uh, he's one of the worst long iron players in this field, um, if I'm not mistaken, actually. Yeah, other than Tiger Woods, who is not in this field. He's actually the worst uh, long iron player in this field. Um, now, granted, that I'm not saying compared to the PGA Tour average, he might be actually quite good. But when you're dealing with, again, probably 20, some of the best players on earth, um, he's just a class or two behind a lot of these guys when it comes to approach play. Um, we know about the around the green play. We know about the putter. Pitsy's super solid. I just think unless like unless this course plays very, very difficult because because of the winds, um, he's not a guy I want to back when the winning score, I think, is going to be, you know, deep into the teens or maybe even touching the 20s. So um, maybe I'm underrating the wind factor a little bit here, but I'm certainly even if even if you told me the gusts are going to stay up to 25 miles an hour all week long, I'm, I'm not touching a 12 to one on Fitzpatrick. I think there are better spots for him. So um, <clears throat> very much kind of like Seamus Power. We talked about earlier, uh, not comparing them as players, but in the way of like, I think it's pretty simple to figure out kind of where Fitzpatrick's going to play well. Like, just give me a winning score of minus eight and I'll bet Fitzpatrick no matter where it is pretty much. You know, like he's very, very good. We saw the US Open hitting a ton of fairways, bogey avoidance, not making many mistakes, you know, making his pars, being very, very solid with a short game. Um, and when he does create a chance with his iron play, he tends to capitalize. So, um I think this is a field where he could, I think, find himself pretty outgunned unless the weather really cooperates for him. So I'll be out um, at 12 to 1. All right. So that brings up our 16 to 1 range now. Uh, so we're looking at 
Colin Morikawa, Sung J.M., and Tom Kim. And Ian, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up our worst memory to date, uh, at least in my betting career. Um, yeah, Colin Morikawa, a year ago, six-stroke lead. All I had to do was a oh, five-stroke lead. Okay, whatever. All I had to do was what score even, I think, on the day to go to like a playoff. Right. And uh, we also had a pretty substantial, what was it, hero and world tour championship, world no. tour, yeah, parlay there that was going to cash like real big money, and he blew it. And yet, here he sits on our card this year. You're going for redemption. Um, yeah, he he owes us a lot. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny, man, because. When I, I mean, obviously, I've been golf betting for quite some time before the inception of flag hunting. Um, and the reason why Colin Morikawa is my favorite golfer is because, um, apart from his debut win at the Barracuda, which I don't bet alternate field events, I had I had a piece of him in every uh, every tour win he's ever had. Uh, I, I was on him at the Workday Championship. Uh, where he won at Mirfield Village. I was on him for this PGA win. I was on him for his concession win at the uh, WGC uh, workday. And I was on him for his Open Championship win at uh, Royal St. George's. So he was an ATM for me. I, I love Colin. Like, it's that's no big secret. So, like, it, it's been kind of funny that – I mean, not funny, but it's just – it's funny how it's worked out that, <laughs> like, he's he's probably been our biggest, like, bogey golfer. Like, he's the guy we just can't seem to – I mean, I want to say he's the guy we can't seem to get right, but there's not really been any getting right with Colin Morikawa because he hasn't won since we've uh, we've started this podcast, you know, just over a year ago. So, yeah, I mean, what a difference a year makes. You know, 12 months ago, he came into Albany as a 6-1 favorite. Like Chris said, carried a five-shot lead into Sunday with the world number one crown right in his sights. Um, we all know how that turned out. <clears throat> and since that day, I feel like I'm kind of making the same case for Colin Morikawa every other week on this show. Um Look, I think the stat the stats are what they are with Colin. I think at this point, even I, as like an avid Colin Morikawa truther, I need to start seeing some results. Um, like even though he had a couple of major top fives at the Masters and the U.S. Open, he finished runner up at the Genesis. Um, you know, top five at, the, at a playoff event, the St. Jude. We just haven't seen like Colin Morikawa in contention in over a year now. Like, I mean, really since this event, I mean, I, I think uh, it was golf that caddy on Twitter. Uh, it was a few months back. I think it was during the past playoffs where he, um, he posted a clip of Colin on Saturday where he got up and down from the green side bunker on 18 to take his five shot lead head in a Sunday. Um, and the caption was Colin Morikawa hasn't been the same uh, since this Sunday. And, I, I can't disagree with that. I, I think even though, you know, you do see some of the spike weeks uh, in some big time events like U.S. Open Masters, St. Jude, Genesis, like those are big time fields, big time events. But we really haven't seen like peak more cow like we did in 2021 um, and even the tail end of 2020. So I'm really going to have to start seeing some results. And obviously, if books want to price him, you know, at 35, 40 to one in some big fields, it, it, it's a much easier pill to swallow. Um and I have bet him at 20 to 1 here. But the corner needs to be turned soon, I think. Um, because if if we go another couple months without seeing really any 
tangible improvement in terms of his results page. Um, we're going to have to maybe just resign ourselves to the fact that he's going to win one without us and, uh, and uh, it's going to hurt, but it maybe it's just good for the, uh, good for the overall brand and for both parties. So with that being said, I did listen to his interview following his last start. T uh, fifteen at the Mycoba doesn't sound like a flashy result. It's not a flashy result, um, but I really did see a relaxed, renewed Colin Morikawa. Like he he said he did everything really, really well for three days here uh, in Mexico. It wasn't for a really disappointing seventy one on Thursday, which I believe is even part that event. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure El Camilo is a par seventy one. That's gonna look really bad. Uh, but I, he shot even par. Yeah, he did shoot even par on Thursday. Uh, but he actually went shot for shot with Russell Henley from Friday onwards. Uh, he actually, uh, you know, Henley beat him by eight shots on Thursday. He beat him by eight shots uh, on Sunday. So I think everything's kind of there. Obviously, there's a little bit of inconsistency still. Um, but we're getting 20 to one on a guy that, you know, is number one in this field in proximity over 175 in his last 50 rounds. He's number one in good drives gain. He's number five on approach and he's number five in total ball striking. It all feels really good. Um, and that's kind of why I've just been riding this call more Cal train because he just continues to pop in every possible way. It's just, we're not finding the results. So like I said, I'm, I'm coming to the end of my rope here, but this is not the spot where I'm going to, I'm going to let loose. I mean, we're in a 20 man field, a place that he was absolutely like shellacking some of the best players in the golf world 12 months ago here. Um, a place that, you know, he's going to be able to swing a lot of drive. He's going to be able to swing free on a lot of drivers, have a lot of long irons in. And I think even I think the wind might actually help him a little bit because it might suppress scores. And, you know, if uh, if the wind's blowing 30, then he's not going to be the only one out there missing four and five footers for uh, for birdie or par. So I think you can definitely make, you know, that kind of case. He's a world uh, travel golfer. He's one on three con I don't know if Dubai is considered Asia, but he's won in Dubai. He's won I was gonna say three continents, that's why I brought that up. He's won in Dubai, he's won in England, he's won in Florida, he's won in Ohio, he's won in California. He's a world traveled, uh world class kind of golfer and I don't think the adverse conditions are gonna affect him um at all. So uh yeah for me more cow twenty to one that was a move that I made pretty early and uh, I'm gonna stick by uh, our guy for at least one more week. Uh, and be, then well no no sorry I, I I wasn't expecting you to stop, but I can I can do a little little circle here. No, I was gonna say it, it could come full circle for us too if if he was to take it home here, because like you said, like I was actually gonna make the exact comment of like you could say that this tournament broke him, so it would be quite the storyline for both us and him to, to be like, oh, you know, hey, let's win here and and win it all back. Um, but yeah, two other guys here in the same range, Tom Kim and Sung Jay. Um, I believe I heard them. In like the six to ten range in your model, I believe. Right. Um, let's start with Sungjae because I think he's probably the less interesting of the two. Um, I would actually quantify Sungjae. He's very similar to me to Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, in in just in terms of game styles, like they're not going to get themselves in any kind of trouble off the tee. Let me just start with this. I don't really think Sungjae has like a defined strength. Like I don't think he does anything in this field at you know an elite level or at least like at a top one or two level. But he's kind of good at everything else. 
And particularly if conditions start to get difficult and the wind starts to blow and you do have to rely a little bit more on your short game, I can see Sung Jay definitely making a bit of noise here. Um, you know, my model, he's top five in par five scoring, top five in uh, strokes off the tee, top five in TD green play, top five in ball striking. So there's not really an area of Sung Jay's game that I dislike. Uh, I'm just not quite bullish enough to pick Sung Jay over some of the guys like laid it on the board. The fact that we're getting kind of 22, 25 to ones on some of the caliber golfers further down the board, um, I think made my decision a bit easier or made my decision for me. Um, so it's not so much a fate of Sung Jay as an entity. It's a fate of Sung Jay at this number. Uh, Tom Kim, I think, is probably the most interesting case in this field um, because obviously he's got the small sample size of anybody. Um and he's very, very polarizing in the market. I, I think I've seen more Tom Kim tickets this week um, than any other golfer on, in this field. Uh, now, granted, a lot of those were when he was, were when he was 20, 22 to 1. Um, but I've also, I also think you can make, of anyone like under 22 to 1 or under 25 to 1, I think you can make the pretty, the the most convincing bear case against Tom Kim. And that's the fact that, he drives the ball shorter than anybody at the top or in the middle of this board. And we're at a golf course where there are five par fives that are all pretty damn reachable for most of this field. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, two to 5% eagle rate on every single one of these holes. There are two drivable par fours. You know, there are five long par threes. And for me, I just don't really see... I don't see the appeal of picking this place for Tom Kim's. I mean, I don't want to say it would be his biggest win, but in terms of like strength of field, this would be a big time statement. I just don't think this course sets up uh, particularly well. Like if I'm betting Tom Kim, I want, and we've seen it in those first two events. Like I want a lot of golf holes from 420 to 460 yards, drive the ball in the fairway, play ABC golf, hit the ball to 15, 20 feet all week long, and then make your fair share on the greens, which is how he's won at Summerlin's, how he won at Wyndham, just playing quite boring golf. I think he starts with a bit of a handicap this week. Uh, that's just the that's just the intuition that I have. Um, you know, when it comes down to a par, you know, to par fives, 570, 580, 590 yard par fives, with his swing speeds, I don't think he's going to be able to reach. Uh, he's going to have a lot of kind of 40 to 50, 60 yard pitch shots, whereas some of these guys are going to be putting for eagle from 30 feet. I just think it's a lot to overcome. Um, I'm more than willing to be wrong here, but especially at like 16, 18 and one that I'm seeing him drift to, like I've got absolutely uh, no interest in our boy uh, Tom Kim this week. So that would be that would be kind of a bear case uh, against him. The stats obviously will love him. He's the best iron player in this field over the last 50 rounds. Um, fifth and birdie chances created, but again, 15th is joking off the tee, 13th and par five scoring, uh, 12th in proximity over 200 yards, um, 17th in sand saves, 20th in driving distance. So again, it's one of those things where I, maybe he is just, <laughs> maybe he is just a future world number one and he can kind of overcome, uh, this clear deficiency that he has, but uh, I'm gonna have to to see it uh, at a place other than Summerlin or uh, Wyndham to uh, to really make myself a believer in this type of field at this type of venue. All right, so that brings us to the 18 range now. So 
Uh, we kind of have a bunch of guys kind of paired together. Yeah. A few with the 16s there, now a few with the 18s. Uh, we got Cam Young, Tommy Fleetwood, and the defending champ, Victor Hovland. Um, so, yeah, obviously, um, Cam Young right now pretty well in your model. I've seen a lot of – you've said you've seen a lot of Tom Kim tickets. I've seen a lot of Tommy Fleetwood tickets on Twitter. Um, and then Victor, obviously, um, defending champ, but, you know, I wouldn't say the, the greatest form. So, interesting range here. For sure. And if there was a contrast to the case I laid out against Tom Kim – Cameron Young fits all the deficiencies I think Tom Kim kind of lacks at this golf course. Uh, we are in on Cameron Young at 22 to 1. Uh, now, full disclosure, you mentioned kind of my stat model. He doesn't, Cam Young, particularly well for me. Um, I mean, he breaks up ninth, so it's not, um, it's not like a screaming value in terms of just putting my model up against the odds board. But if if I'm trusting my course breakdown, I just I think this is a place that Cam Young can absolutely bring to its knees. Um, I think, you know, I talked to Chris earlier in the fall swing about, uh, you know, just this being a big time opportunity. I, I just think I have a very, very strong inherent belief that he's going to win sooner rather than later on this, on this tour. Um, and like I said, this course just fits him like a glove, um, you know, wide open fairways, particularly for a guy that hits the ball as long and straight as he does five very attackable bar fives. Uh, he has, you know, he's going to be faced with a ton of approach shots over 200 yards, which Kind of similar to how Bryson used to play um, on the PJ Tour. When you have that kind of length and you're hitting eight irons in a lot of these, you know, 205-yard par threes, uh, it's pretty easy to kind of climb the proximity rates. And, and Cam Young rates out fourth uh, for me in approach shots over 200 yards in terms of proximity to the hole. Um, and he sneakily also rates out number one in around the green play. So if the, uh, you know, on like a reachable par five where he misses the green by a little bit or has to get up and down on a on one of the drive of par fours or if the wind kicks up, he's – has a really, really sneaky short game. Number one, like I said, in strokes getting around the greens over his last 50 rounds. I just think he has every possible weapon you can conceive of um, to to take down this golf course and to really um, uh, really make a statement here, here in the Bahamas. So 22 to 1, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm ready to see him um, give it a go here. Tommy Fleetwood, to, to kind of your point, um, he's a guy whose stock has, has really risen, I think, not just – over the course of the week, but over the course of the last kind of um, month or so, especially over in Europe. Um, we saw him actually lead the entire field on approach at the World Tour Finals that Rom won. Uh, he won the Nedbake Ch- uh, Golf Challenge over there in Europe. Uh, and the start before came T4 at the uh, CJ Cup, which you could draw maybe a few correlations in terms of kind of a coastal, longer golf course, a lot of long irons in hands, uh, Bermuda grass greens. Um, a lot of kind of tight Bermuda lies around the greens. So Fleetwood T4 there. Um, yeah, T4, T5, and then a win in his last three starts. He's gained on approach. Um, he's getting at least, yeah, getting at least three and a half strokes on approach in each one of those three starts. So then when you kind of factor in the wind, um, Fleetwood, another Englishman, like another guy just and anecdotally you expect to play quite well in the wind. And um, he's got a pretty world-class short game in case he does miss a few of these greens. So, uh, I I do quite like Fleetwood. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to jump into 18 to one in a field like this, but um, certainly someone to to definitely keep an eye on if uh, if if not for this week, then then for later because I'm always I'm always a sucker for for jumping in on, a, on an odd Fleetwood bet, but just not quite this week. And and Hovland at 18 to one is an, is a guy that you know we we've seen guys like Fleetwood and Tom Kim drift 
uh, close to the top of the board. I've seen a lot of drift away uh, from Halvon. He was opening at 12 or 14 to 1 at a lot of spots. He's now down to 18 to 1. I've seen 20 in some spots. And, like, yeah, the form isn't fantastic, but I think it's a little bit overblown. He came T10 um, at Mayakoba, T21 the CJ Cup, T5 at the Zozo's last three starts. Uh, World Tour Championship came T23. So you know, T5 earlier excuse me, earlier in the fall at, uh, at Wentworth, the BMW championship there and, and um, on the DB World Tour. So he's put together some nice results. Obviously, he's one of the better long iron players in this field, um, you know, just in general. Uh, phenomenal ball striker. He, he clearly fits his place really well, uh, obviously winning here last year. So I think really the only case to be made against Hovland, and maybe the only reason I can see him being 18 to 1 and seeing a bit of um, – a bit of drift on him would be the win factor. Not to say that I don't, I think he's incompetent in the win, but typically whenever wins kick up, it puts a little more emphasis on your short game and a little more emphasis on scrambling. Obviously we all know um, that is, you know, the Achilles heel for Vic. So it's tempting uh, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of really tempting names kind of here in the, in the back half of the board more so than I would be um, kind of at the 11, 12, 14 to one range. So Hoblin, Settling there at 18 is certainly an enticing number. Um, and, you know, if uh, if I feel so inclined uh, on Thursday or Friday morning and he's playing well, I, I don't think there's any reason why he can't uh, contend around here. Um, it's funny how, like, anytime we talk about wind, it seems like the, like, Western Europeans, Australian, South African, like, those are the guys that, like, come to the forefront because that's the yeah. style of golf they're kind of used to playing. Texans. Um, do what Texans Texans yeah. in the is, a, is a big thing yeah so yeah we don't get it often but I, I think there's certainly credence to it I mean um, you know like for the same reason why southeastern we, we target southeastern kids on Bermuda grass and western coast kids on Poana like it's you know when you play your entire life playing a certain style of golf it just comes quite naturally to you so um yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see because I, it's one of those things where I felt like I had a really, really good um, kind of feel on this golf course. But, you know, if winds kick up 30 miles an hour, it becomes a much different animal very, very quickly. So, um, yeah, I don't want to keep harping on it, but it's yeah, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to kind of project what's uh, what, what's going to be going on here in the next four days. All right, so we are closing in on the bottom of the board here. We got kind of two groups left to kind of talk about here. So we'll go for the four guys in the 20s first. We got Sam Burns, Max Homa, Jordan Spieth, Shane Lowry. Uh, Max Homa, notably like a very big Tiger Woods fan himself. So I'm sure he's very pumped to be playing this tournament. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone's a Tiger Woods fan, but Max <laughs> Homa has been very like outward of outward of being like very yeah. much. Um, you know, Sam Burns, obviously. Uh, the last time we saw him was a withdrawal, so um, something to note there. Jordan Spieth, like you mentioned earlier, we haven't seen a lot from, and then Shane Lowry, another Englishman to talk about. So, uh, yeah, let's let's hear what you guys say about these four. Yeah, you got to you got to shape up on your nationalities, brother, because the Irish are not going to be very happy when you oh, just oh crap, it, it is native son and Englishman, but it's all right, it's all right, we forgive you. Western European, you know, that's, that's what I should have went with. Yeah, British Isles, British Isles, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they won't mind. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna keep it pretty concise with Burns. Uh, I've seen some steam on him. Uh, our boy House uh, House Money 
on Twitter is, is uh, seem to be a pretty big Burns tout this week. I'm not sure if he has him in outright capacity, but certainly maybe some placements. I think when Burns is operating at his peak, this is certainly a very, very good golf course for him. Uh, the wide fairways mitigate a lot of the inconsistencies, inconsistencies we see uh, with his accuracy off the tee. Uh, his iron play long term is up there, you know, maybe not with the more cows or, you know, the Schefflers or the uh, females of the world, but certainly he's an above average iron player. And then Bermuda grass greens, we've we've done this field plenty of times with Sam Burns. He's the best putter in this field, actually, over the last 50 rounds. So I um, I will be keeping my eye on Sam Burns because I, I do think this course fits him quite well. I don't think I'll end up adding him uh, because I'm just a little bit too bearish on his recent form. However, I do want to see some life out of him because I am I have him double circled for the Century Tournament Champions. I think Kapalua, uh should rate out very, very well for, for Sam. Another course that has super, super wide fairways. We saw a guy like Cameron Smith uh, win there last year, and Cam Smith actually gained strokes off the tee for the first time in like his entire career, um, and obviously putted the lights out to get the 34-under. But Burns is a guy that I think should suit Capitol really well. Again, uh, wide open fairways, ton of wedge shots, which I, I like Sam Burns with his wedges a little bit more than I like him with his long irons. Another reason I'm kind of bearish on him this week. And then obviously uh, at a golf course like Capitol where you're going to have to make a lot of birdies, uh, your putter's going to have to come along. And uh, there's no doubt Burns is capable of, of racking up strokes on the green. So, um, yeah, I do want to see a little bit of life about him because we will see him in uh, in Hawaii at the turn of the year. And, uh, you know, if we if we get like a I don't know when the capital odds or the tournament champions odds uh, will be coming out during the wintertime because we'll have like a little three week break in between PJ Tour events. But if he's anywhere in the 30, 35 to one range, uh, that would be a play for me for sure. Uh, a little bit of sneak peek. Um, but yeah, not here. Uh, Max Homa, as Chris noted, uh, not only a Tiger Woods fan, but kind of one, you know, Tiger has a couple of events that he's pretty uh, closely aligned with. Uh, they're obviously being Riviera, Homa, the 2021 champion there, um, you know, spoke very, very glowingly about what that meant to him, getting the trophy from Tiger, his first go around here um at the hero world challenge first time he's ever been invited and you know well earned considering um the year he's had and how quickly he's grown his uh his name in the game of golf that being said uh 22 to one's a little bit too short for me i, I still even though he does have two wins at like a quail hollow and uh and a riviera the general kind of pattern for homa has been he's really eaten up the mid-tier events and even some of the weaker field events. And then he's been a little bit of a disappointment whenever we come to a place um, or come to or have a field that um, is this stacked. You know, the major championships, he's he's kind of um, really underperformed for a guy of his caliber. Uh, Fed's going to play out sort of a bit of a disappointment for him outside of Eastlake. Um, and so I do kind of want to, you know, I, I do want to see, I want to see like a bit of attitude in these kind of strong field events, and that's coupled also with the fact that he rates out quite well for me. Like he rates out, yeah, pretty well for me every stat category, just not really elite in anything. Um, I think he's again a guy that is very capable of finishing like T seven here, having a good week. Um, I don't, I do not uh, quite tell him for for the win. Uh, instead. I've bet Shane Lowry uh, 22 to one kind of speaking of we've spoken, we've spoken glowingly about Fitzpatrick and Fleetwood in the wind. Obviously Shane Lowry and Irishman uh, will have no concerns 
uh, if these wins do kick up. I'm actually seeing some drift into the mid 20s on Lowry. I've got yeah, 25 to one here in Bovada. I've actually seen a 28 to one um, at uh, one of my local sites. I just can't understand it for the life of me. Um, yeah, he's never teed it up here at Albany, um, but also neither had four of last year's top six. Hovland, Scheffler, Morikawa, and Burns were all on debut at this course and all finished uh, T5 or better last year. So I don't think track record at Albany particularly means too much. Um, and in terms of like his game and the skill set required here, like it's just check marks all down the board um, in every single box. He rates out second. In this field behind Colin Morcow and Long Iron Proximity, he's first here in par five scoring, second in birdie chances created, first in sand saves. Was actually sneakily inside the top 25 on the entire PGA Tour last year in total driving. Um, now, he's kind of far from the elite names that we talked about earlier, like the Hoblins, Schefflers, and Roms. Um, but if you do kind of have to pick a, you know, a weakness, quote unquote, for Lowry's game, like driving probably was it. Um, but he's kind of put a lot of that, a lot of those concerns to bed. There's just not really an aspect of his game that I don't trust him in. And with how, again, this win forecast is looking, I'm kind of half tempted to jump right back in again at 25 to one. Um, that would be maybe a little bit off the record, but I, for the life of me, I really can't figure out why he's priced this fight on the board. Um, so this is not the first time he's been disrespected, in my opinion, by oddsmakers. He almost made them pay countless times, uh, whether it was the Honda Classic, Augusta, uh the heritage finally got his kind of marquee win at wentworth uh, on the european tour this past uh this past fall but i'm gonna continue to be willing to jump on uh on, on lowry as, as long as books want to price him at what two times the price of fitzpatrick and stone jm and and all those kind of guys like i generally don't think there's that much difference between fitzpatrick and lowry i really don't so um if we can get double the number on on either one uh, i'll be in um either way so yeah Lowry, Cameron Young, Colin Morcow, those are my my three outright picks uh, to start the week. Um, I mean, I, I guess I could talk about Jordan a little bit. He's another guy that I think um, his stock should rise maybe a little bit. Like, in my opinion, I think he finished dead last year. I mean, it was him and Stenson that were, like, kind of competing for 20th place here last year. Um, they also notably uh, – Got like a two-shot penalty for teeing off of the wrong tee box on on number nine, but they were they were already so far out of contention. It was just kind of a talking point at that point. It didn't cost them any kind of money or anything. Um, Spieth actually a Hero Challenge winner, but he won actually the last year it was played away from Albany. I forget where they used to play the golf course there, but he went. That was back in 2014. Yeah, at uh, at Isleworth. That's where it was. And he won that he won that tournament by ten shots, but that was twenty fourteen speed, aka kind of peak speed. Um, ironically over Stenson too. Ironically over Stenson, yeah. Look at that quick uh, <laughs> Google search there from uh, Cleetia there. Um, but yeah, I, I think if speed is drawing up a blueprint to contend here, like just let the wind blow, let everybody miss greens, and let's turn this into a scrambling contest. Uh, if that's not the case, I just don't think he has the TD green chops to keep up with this field like this. So, uh, yeah, 25 to one on speed. I'm going to be passing on. Um, and he would be, yeah, alongside Tom Kim, he makes the least sense to me in terms of like betting it outright. All right. And that brings us to the last four on the board. So we got Billy Horschel and Corey Connors both at 33 to one, Strzok at 66, and the Kids at 80 to one. Um, any thought for any of these four? Because I can tell you that I don't think I do. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's pretty slim. It gets pretty slim here. Obviously, uh, Straka and Connors are late subs, and for Tiger and Hideki, respectively. Um, you know, Horschel, look, I'm not in at 33 to one. He's not going to rate out particularly well from a ball striking perspective. Uh, but this is a guy that won at Mirafield Village. He's won uh, at Wentworth, like I mentioned. I don't think Wentworth was a Wentworth's a compilatory course, but it is a marquee event on the European Tour. Uh, he's won a FedEx Cup. Um, you know, came second in the Arnold Palmer this past year, uh, runner up at the concession to call more cow in 2021. So he's a guy that, again, he, he doesn't really ever write out all that well for me, but I can't deny the fact that, um, the dude is kind of just a competitive psychopath. And, uh, I think he'll be really, really ramped up to, to make his debut here in Tigers tournament and to take down a field, uh, marquee names. Um, but in terms of his game, I think he's j- kind of just like Tom Kim, starting with a little bit of a handicap. He doesn't hit the ball that well off the tee. He's even a worse long iron player than Tom Kim. And while the short game is, is fine, I just don't think he's going to create uh, nearly enough birdie opportunities to really make himself a factor. Um, so I've seen 35 40s on Billy, which I think, you know, if, if you are a Billy guy and maybe you're with him there at the Memorial, you have that kind of inherent belief that, he rises to the occasion of these big time events, non majors, but just like big time events. Um, his major track record is abysmal. Um, yeah, I, I think you can make probably a decent argument for Horschel. Uh, Connors would be the guy for you know the stat nerds like me. Like Connors, very much rates out very similar to a guy like Morikawa, um, where he's going to hit a ton of fairways. He's going to create a lot of birdie chances with his irons and make even less putts. So. Uh, yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into, you know, I think, I think Connors actually suits up, suits up quite well for this course, particularly if the wind, uh, I was going to say particularly if the wind does lay down, but he's actually quite a good wind player. Um, one of the better ball strikers over the last two years, um, in condition and winning conditions over 20 miles an hour, which again, small sample size, take that with a little bit of grain and salt, but that was some research that I did, um, have to dive into earlier this week. So. Yeah, look, to win, I don't think uh, they're very compelling plays, but uh, I think Connors has, stands the better chance of having um, a put together a better week. Uh, in terms of Strzok and Kisner, Kisner's dead money. Like, I don't want anything to do with Kisner. Like, this is like the opposite of any Kevin Kisner course possible. Even when he was in his prime, I think he would he would kind of concede that he was he was out of it uh, at a place like this. Strzok well, congratulations, is, Kisner, basically, what I just heard. What's that? So congratulations, Kisner, is what I just heard. Yeah, okay. If Kisner wins this week, I might have to take a couple weeks off. I'll be honest with you, bud. Like, the books, <laughs> the books would sign up for a Kevin Kisner win right now because I've not seen one bit of buzz on Kisner, and for good, for damn good reason. Uh, that would be one of the shocks of the year if he beats this field at this place. Uh, is a little bit more interesting, uh, not from any perspective other than outright. I think if you place, like, a top 10 on Straka or a top 5, you're insane. Just bet him a 66 to one to win because we've seen him pop up a couple of times at these longer Bermuda tracks. Obviously, one um, at the Honda earlier this year, runner up to Will's Out Tours in Memphis, uh, runner up as well to Mackenzie Hughes at the Sanderson. So you could draw the case. The form is awful. Uh, it, he's just kind of one of those guys that um, he's going to play like garbage for about 80% of the year, and then he might just randomly pop up um, and contend one of these weeks. So. Uh, Straka certainly has the tools, uh, more the tools than, than a guy like his or even a guy like Horschel for me. Um, but I'm not going to really endorse uh, betting Straka. I think this is a bit too much to ask for him to, to take on this field. But hey, I've been wrong before. 
All right, so two questions. Uh, yep. The first, have you actually seen any books with top five or top ten odds? Because I was looking at that, and I couldn't. Our book doesn't have it. Um, I know bet. I know bet MGM has uh, top five and top tens. I, I will look around. Uh, but obviously, yeah, with a twenty-man field, you're if you're betting top tens, like everyone's gonna be juiced like crazy, unless it's yeah. Kevin Kisner or probably Seth Straka. Um, I'm trying to find it here. Here we go. Here World Challenge. Oh, you're right. I am seeing some on different books. Bet yeah. US has it. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're betting like top, like I said, if you're betting top tens, like it's probably not even worth the the juice release and worth the squeeze in that case. Like, right. I can imagine what like you know, call more callous top 10 odds are not that I would bet those, but, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, look, it's a 20 man field. It's the last event, the PJ tour, uh, for 2022, for three weeks. Now we got our longest break of the year after this event. So, you know, just saddle up with us, bet a couple 20 to ones, have some fun. And, uh, especially the win, like <laughs> there's no way I'd be betting a top five or top 10, just, just for my guy to be out there in 35 mile an hour wins and shoot like an 82. Uh, so yeah, look, it, it, it's not, I don't think, um, a very compelling bet or a very compelling event to go out there and play a lot of DraftKings or play a lot of props. But, um, you know, I, I think there is value to be had, like, like you kind of mentioned in the outright market. So that's the direction uh as always that we're that we're gonna go so uh, yeah absolutely i wasn't really advocating for that i was just curious because i didn't see it personally um all right so obviously we want everyone to follow flag hunting and follow our card and obviously we want to trust what you put together but you had some concerns over the wind so let's just hypothetically say that you hadn't built your card yet what okay. would you do differently like what would your card look like if you were to build it like right now Okay, yeah. So uh, assuming that you can still get a twenty on more Cala, I'm still I'm still in on calling it at that price, eighteen or twenty to one. I think is a perfectly fine number for him. Lowry, for some reason, like I went on that spiel earlier, like I'm still in a twenty five to one, twenty two, twenty five, twenty eight. I've seen numbers all across the board. Um, I don't understand why he's this he's this far down. So yeah, more Cal and Lowry. I wouldn't really change. My biggest concern would be Cameron Young. Uh, we got him at 22 to one. He's kind of 18, 20 in most spots. Mm. If I'm being honest, I would probably swap him out for Fleetwood. I think Fleetwood makes a little bit more sense um, at the number that he's at. I think just with his pedigree in the wind, with his recent form with the irons, I think Fleetwood's path, if these conditions hold, is a little bit more straightforward than Cam Young's. I just we just haven't seen a large sample size. Like Cam Young might well be very, very good in the wind and it might not affect him. Um, but whenever you're dealing with sample sizes this small of, you know, young playing in wind, I can't remember the last time I've, I mean, he played quite well at the PGA championship in Tulsa uh, at Southern Hills, which was a pretty wind laden event. But if I recall correctly, there's a pretty big wave advantage that week. And I'm not sure which wave he was in. So again, it, he's either way, he's not nearly as proven as a guy like Fleetwood who's, Obviously, grew up in England, has has been an Open Championship monster um, throughout his career, played very, very well uh, in the British Rowles, and has a lot of experience in the win. So, um, yeah, if I was building my car from scratch, just straight up, um, I would say Morikawa, Fleetwood, Lowry. And if you wanted to take a guy at the top, um, I would say I would say Xander or Finau. I think you can kind of just toss a coin in the air and, um, and choose one of those. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are kind of my five, I think, favorite plays. You can build your card uh, however you're comfortable doing it. But yeah, those would be kind of on Tuesday night at uh, 11 p.m. 
uh, where I would stand on, on in terms of the current betting board. Okie dokie. Well, I think that will do it for us this week. Um, obviously, to kind of do a quick recap here, um, we are on Colin Morikawa at 20 to 1, Cam Young at 22, and Shane Lowry at 22. You can get Shane at 25 now. So if you haven't put that in yet, um, you can get a better number on him. Um, and Ian hasn't wavered on that. So sounds like a good bet to invest in there. Um, and with this being the last like official podcast 2022, uh, I want to give the floor to Ian. You know, I kind of did my whole spiel to, to kind of thank the NASCAR world a few weeks ago. So Ian, I'll give you the floor to kind of thank the golf fans out there. Oh man. Yeah. I, I didn't have anything prepared to be honest with you, but yeah, I mean, I, I've just enjoyed it, man. I, I love this sport. Uh, I would be doing this with Chris, even if, you know, we had two followers and it was both of our moms. Uh, so the fact that we've been able to build, uh, an audience like this and, um, so, you know, not, not just an audience and on Twitter, but on, you know, on Apple and Spotify to the podcast and guys that, uh, that interact with us constantly on Twitter, man, it's, it's been, it's been a real joy building this kind of little empire that we've, uh, we've got established and, um, yeah, stay tuned. Cause I, I have no intention of stopping no matter who's listening to me. So, um, I appreciate you kind of, uh, yeah, you guys following us, and I hope you guys have, uh, have we've provided as much value uh, to y'all as you have to us, and hopefully we can kind of keep this momentum going. It's been a really nice year on the golf side of things. Um, couldn't have really asked for a better 14 months um, in terms of the betting results. So, um, yeah, man, I just just enjoy it, Chris. Uh, I, I enjoy getting on here every week. It's cathartic for me to just sit here and uh, have degenerate discussions about the betting board and um you know you guys get a little bit of inner you guys get a little bit of insight into my inner monologue because it's pretty much constantly about golf anyway so it's good to kind of come on here and and uh spew a little bit of what i've been thinking about for the better part of the last couple of days so um yeah guys uh keep listening we got a ton um of awesome content that we're that is kind of in the rooks for us so we would not be going away um in the short golf and nascar offseason um we'll have some podcast favorites on here like rory skybox and Derek, uh as well as a few other guys and then i'm going to try to um after the hero World challenge i'm going to try to set out a little uh golf psa for anyone that wants to join us on our little golf offseason podcast that me and chris are working on so um still plenty of the works and like i said even if you don't want to bet golf this week uh you've only got about a month to wait until we're back in hawaii and we're going to go at it for uh for another year so yeah appreciate you guys and uh Good luck this week. All right. So with that being said, let's go out, hit a winner, and we'll talk to you guys again in 2023. See you. Peace.